Hey everybody, it's Cliff Ravenscraft here with another episode of Generally Speaking About the Church. And uh, this is part two in a series titled, Why I Hate the Church. And the church is with a little c. Uh, I had mentioned in part one of this series that I was going to be investigating this book by George Barna. It's a very small book and uh, I encourage you if you have not already heard part one, that you do not listen to this until you at least hear all the introduction of what has brought me to the place where I am uh, doing this currently as far as this series is concerned. Anyway, I am recording uh, today the preface of this book. And as I had mentioned earlier, I do not like to consume books quickly, especially ones that are meant and designed uh, to, to make me think uh, quite a bit. And I am not going to read this entire book. I'm certain that uh, the publisher would have uh, some pretty big issues with that if I were to do it. But anyway, I do want to go ahead and read the preface that I just read because I think it will be very uh, good to understand uh, what it is that has brought George Barna to where he is and who he is. Uh, so let's just go ahead and uh, quit talking and I'll start reading. Soon after graduating from Boston College, I took a job as a policy analyst in the Massachusetts legislature. The experience and contacts gained from that position evolved into campaign management for a variety of candidates running for federal and state offices. One of the most captivating aspects of those positions was the art of estimating the future and figuring out how to prepare people for what was coming. After more education and additional years in the trenches of political and marketing activity, my wife and I opened the Barna Research Group. That platform allowed me to work with and learn important lessons from an array of clients that spanned the gamut from media powerhouses such as Disney and ABC to organizations as diverse as Visa and the military, as well as numerous Christian ministries. The research became a springboard from which to consider the future and most strategic responses to emerging possibilities. After completing a substantial amount of research and exploring society from various angles, I wrote a book in 1990 titled The Frog in the Kettle. The premise was that we could predict what would happen in the United States during the coming decade with reasonable accuracy enabling individuals and organizations including Christian ministries to anticipate changes, help shape them, and capitalize on the transitioning nature of our culture. It is rewarding to look back on the content of the book and realize that more than 90% of the predicted outcomes became a reality. The most gratifying results, though, were the statements of many leaders who indicated that such, uh, who indicated that such forward thinking had helped them helped their ministries thrive amidst chaos and difficulty. The book you are holding, or actually the book I'm holding, uh, provides an even more significant description of the intersection of culture and change, cultural change, and spiritual transformation. Unlike The Frog in the Kettle, this is not a book about a myriad of trends. It is a book about a single trend that is already redefining faith and the church in our country. 
It is about an explosion of spiritual energy and activity we are calling the revolution, an unprecedented re-engineering of America's faith dimension that is likely to be the most significant transition in the religious landscape that you'll ever that you will ever experience as you read the chapters that follow you will understand why i make such a bold claim let me explain why i wrote this book there are three outcomes that i hope to accomplish first i want to inform people of the radical changes that are reshaping the church in america as using our nationwide research, along with narratives offered by many revolutionaries about their spiritual journey as, their as the foundation, this book is intended to paint a picture of the existing state of the revolution and where it is headed. Second, beyond simply introducing the revolution and its participants, I desire to help revolutionaries gain a better understanding of themselves Many of them feel like the odd person out, and most of them struggle with conflicting feelings about their status as spiritual champions who have no spiritual homeland. What a joy it would be if this slim volume helped to crystallize their self-awareness, legitimize their uh, commendable quest to be Christ-like, and provide some clarifying language and practical resources to assist them on their journey. Finally, I want to encourage people who are struggling with their place in the kingdom of God to consider their, this spiritual awakening as a viable alternative to what they have pursued and experienced thus far. Sometimes people know what they want and need to do, but feel constrained by circumstances or expectations. May this book provide those people with the permission they need to reach their next level of spiritual maturity. Whether or not, let's see, whether you want to or not, you will have to take a stand in regard to, in regard to the revolution. It is on track to become the most significant recalibration of the American Christian body in more than a century. Your response ought not be based on whether, or, whether you are comfortable with it, but rather, <clears throat> excuse me, but rather on its consistency with biblical principles and its capacity to advance the kingdom of God. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you must understand this revolution of faith because it is already impacting your life, and it will continue to do so in the years to come. It is my prayer that this book will provide the insights you need to comprehend this spiritual dynamic and discover how your own faith voyage is or should be linked to the revolution. And if you discover that you or you are or want to become a revolutionary, welcome to the fold. As a practical matter, be forewarned that throughout this book I use the words church with a small c and church with a capital C in very different ways. This distinction is critical. The small c church refers to the congregation-based faith experience, which involves a formal structure, a hierarchy of leadership, and a specific group of believers. The term church with a capital C, on the other hand, refers to all believers in Jesus Christ, comprising the population of heaven-bound individuals who are connected by their faith in Christ regardless of their local church connections or involvement. 
Some hail this as the Church Universal, and that is with the capital C Church, as opposed to the Church Local with the lowercase c. As you will see, the revolution is designed to advance the church with a capital C and, de and redefine the church, uh, which is Lahore KC. That again, let me just read that one one more time. As you will see, the revolution is designed to advance the church and to redefine the church, the lowercase c church. Okay. You might feel relieved and exciting, excited about the content by the content of this book or you might respond with intense anger or disapproval. Whatever you feel, I ask that you read the entire book before you pass judgment on it. The book is neither long nor theologically dense. Uh, it is a fast read, but it, but it is meant to be a cohesive and complete argument that be, benefits from a full and open-minded hearing. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share some of the challenging and life-transforming realities that have changed millions of Americans. I am honored and humbled to admit that I am now counted among the cra that crowd. Abundant blessings to you, George Barna, June 2005. Now that is the preface of this book, and then, and then he goes on to some acknowledgments, and uh, I, I definitely don't want to cover that. And I am now prepared to jump into chapter one of this book. And I'm not going to do that in this part two of this series. Instead, I want to encourage you, if you haven't made the decision to already, please go and get a copy of this book, Revolution. And read it along with me, because I'm not going to read every single chapter out of this book. Again, I think the publishers would have a very difficult time uh, with me if, if I were to do that. And I could do that because these chapters are very short. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to try to find out how I can highlight some things and, and bring them to you and explain to you without actually just reading the, the darn content. Well, anyway, um, I had already mentioned in part one that <coughs> there has just been something within me that, that has not been answered by my experience in the local church, the traditional church. And... Um, you know, with, with all the rules and regulations, I've seen countless number of individuals who have been hurt by the church. And and I'm talking about the lower case C church and, and, and by its eager and well-meaning followers. Uh, some examples of this are uh, individuals who will say very hurtful things to non-Christians, but think that they're actually doing good, such as, you know, if you would quit smoking, you would probably live healthier. God would probably bless you and, and, and bring more health to your family. Um, some some well-meaning Christians will say, you know, if you would only start tithing, all your financial troubles would probably end because God would just open up the floodgates of heaven and, and just radically pour blessings upon you. And, you know, if you would just stop doing this, if you would just do this, and, and it's almost as if it, you know, people are formulaically believing that, that these formulas applied to life are what change your life. And, and, and that, that really they relegate, for the most part, uh, an understanding of our relationship based upon, you know, our relationship with God based upon good works and good deeds. And 
there is definitely room for good works and good deeds, but those are not, they're motivated by something else, and they're motivated out of a relationship with Christ. And uh, sometimes I will tell you that I just feel that, that, that Jesus Christ sometimes is not who I have seen as the center um, center of attention in a lot of churches um, and, and in a lot of organizations that, that are ministries. And, and what I mean by that, I, I, I look in and, and see things from a perspective where I've been involved in, on the administrative side and the, the pastoring side of churches. I've been in board meetings where you know, the, there's hour-long discussions on whether or not we should get a church sign with three marquee lines or two marquee lines. And it's an hour and a half long discussion on on whether or not to, you know, which sign to get. And yet when it comes to discussions on whether or not we should encourage people to meet in their homes or uh, for encouragement on a, on a consistent basis, on a regular basis, or, you know, so that they can feel more comfortable inviting neighbors and, and friends and co-workers versus uh, maybe canceling the Sunday night service uh, where it's been, a, we've tried to do evangelistic messages and, and trying to get all the people inside the doors, where, where those things, where new ideas on how to reach people for Christ, they, they've just been shot down. And they've been shot down because of the fact that they do not support the the whole institution of this campus, this building. And, and, and sometimes these church buildings have gotten so huge and so important that they become more important than, than, than the people who are outside of them. In fact, you know, oftentimes people say, well, why should we do that? We pay so much money for this church. And that's my wife buzzing in, so I'm going to pause this for just a second. Okay, I'm going to have to pause again in just a moment. But anyway, what I was talking about is the fact that sometimes these church buildings uh, of the local church and the organization and, and all the committee meetings and, and, and things like that, they, they seem to get in the way of just reaching people. And when I see, you know, all these awesome things that take place, um, you know, where, where people are talking about priorities and, and values and principles and, and things like that. And, and, and they say, you know, let's really clarify who we are, what we're going for, you know, identify the win. And, and those things are wonderful. And I think they need to be done. But when they get in the way of actually performing ministry and somebody says, Hey, I really want to get together three or four people and, and see if we can't, uh, you know, organize an event to go and help uh, deliver, you know, food to these families that I'm, I've been made aware of. Oh, you know, and, and the response sometimes will be typically, oh, well, you need to talk to the person who's in charge of this ministry, uh, and they have the proper forms and everything that you're going to need to to get that set up, and they'll instruct you on how to communicate. Make sure that you don't communicate by email without prior written authority or or at least verbal authority because we want to make sure that we can proofread emails and make sure they're, you know, because we want to be excellent in the way that we communicate. And there becomes so much red tape that, that by the time everything gets approved and it's perfect and ready to go and, it, and it's the most efficient way of doing it without without you know, compromising some of the 
the perfection and, and excellence and well by the time you get it all ready to go the needs already gone and and people are left out in the cold and there are some other things about the the lowercase c church that i'll mention in just a moment if i can pause right now and come back without completely losing my train of thought because i need to go do something for my wife and she's more important than just about anything so let me go do that real quick okay i'm back um and so anyway where was i talking about little little things i mean just tons of little situations where the the local church just seems to to get so bogged down by the bureaucracy by the the hierarchy of power um that you know going through all the channels and you know there's a part of me that struggles with you know is it is it my own um is it my own issue of not respecting authority that you know is is there something to this but anyway it, the thing is, I believe very strongly in the authority of the local church. I believe that the the scriptures are clear about the authorities given to pastors, and and I believe cl- clearly what the that there were mandates for elders and deacons, and that they had positions within the church, and and, and that people should congregate together locally. I I have no question about those things, and and I fully fully accept god's mandate on how to structure the church but i feel and and i have again i have not read further than the preface so far excuse me um but what i feel is that the church has strayed so far so far from what the original mandate of the church was that that it is just so bogged down with with human tradition that that it cannot see past itself and and it and the church the local church has become a hindrance to ministry in very many ways and the building just seems to be the 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 number one the number one way and and, and you know I, if if people could get back out of the buildings and back into the homes and into the neighborhoods and into the workplaces and 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 really start congregating in those places on a regular basis i i have nothing against having a building where you can come together corporately corporately and worship as your local body but by all means you don't need uh millions of dollars for buildings so that you can have sunday school room for everybody that lives in your city uh it's not necessary just build a big huge worship center build some classrooms to do some decent children's programming while while parents are in worship and or in some cases I, i've heard of one of my uh, listeners from our podcast network uh that that they believe they have the children involved in the worship service with the parents which i think is excellent and then uh another member of uh, or another listener to our podcast network has recently become a christian as a result of hearing some of these podcasts and answering the holy spirit's call upon her life and and she's joined this church called reunion church and they have they have festivals and 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 their outdoor events or sometimes i guess during the winter time they must be indoor events but they move around and, and it's the corporate worship of the local church but it's it's a big huge festival and i mean there are all kinds of things that that you can still have the structure and the organization and the hierarchy that that God had ordained, but it is so different from the cookie cutter organizational, denominational, uh, 
structure that we find and call the local church today. I mean, it, it's amazing. I belong now to a to what's called um, uh, a Church of Christ Church, which is autonomous. It, it's self-governing and, and, and makes up its own bylaws and, and things like that. It doesn't report to a higher uh, church. Uh, it obviously, you know, is, is accountable to God and and uh, but anyway, what's amazing to me is how much this church, this non-denominational church, is very much like many of the denominational churches. I mean, that you've got a sanctuary, you've got Sunday school classes, you've got men's ministry, you've got women's ministry, you've got uh, couples ministry, you've got singles ministry, you've got divorce care ministry, and and everybody is all segregated. Uh, and and they're all encouraged to come to church on the weekend or to the building on the weekend. And they're encouraged to come to the building many other nights of the week. Uh, in, in fact, during Halloween, uh, there there was an instance where there was an email and that was sent out and the bulletin read, Hey, for Halloween, uh, why not, instead of put, sending your kids out to knock on strangers' doors, how about coming into the safe walls of the church and have our, as we have our fall family festival? And, and, you know, what's, what's wrong with these people? We're supposed to be knocking on our neighbor's doors and participating. Maybe, okay, so perhaps you don't believe in the, the paganistic ritual of Halloween or what have you. But, 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 but the way that they communicate the fact that the church is the safety net, is the, it is the fortress where we can basically hide from the outsiders that are different, the, the strangers i mean these people aren't strangers they're your next door neighbor my goodness i mean come on people uh the local church the local church it 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 hurts me it grieves me to be a part of it sometimes um you know when when i <coughs> excuse me while i sometimes want to perhaps you know let, let's put it this way let's just imagine when i was going to a church that met sunday it was Nazarene Church was a associate pastor there, and of course, you know, being associate pastor, I was expected to be at pretty much most of the functions. You had Sunday morning worship, you had Sunday evening church, you had uh, Tuesday night prayer meetings, and Wednesday night, you know, church if some kind of service of Bible study or whatever at the church, and you had all these things at the church. And of course, then I'm a brand new married person. You know, I, I, I'm just just newly married. So my wife and I are coming to all of these. Uh, let's see, that's four four services a week. Not only that, but I'm taking night classes to study for ministry. Uh, not only that, but I'm working full time. She's working. So imagine this: we're spending all of our free time at this church. Okay. Now we're expected to invite people to come to church with us so that they can come meet God in his house. Uh, that's a whole nother story for another time. But but the deal is, is that how do you invite people that you don't have any relationship with to come to church? And and you don't. It, it doesn't happen naturally. It does occur and you can do it and it can work. And I'm not saying it doesn't and that people haven't been saved as a result. But I'm just saying that sometimes Sometimes it's much nicer to be able to just say, hey, I want to invite my neighbors over for dinner Tuesday night. Oh, no, we can't do that because we have prayer meeting. Oh, well, perhaps Wednesday. Oh, no, we have church that night. Well, and then some people will argue, 
Well, you should do it on Thursday or Friday. There's no requirement to come to church on Thursday or Friday. But you don't understand. Friday night is the night where most people want to go out. And Thursday night, well, to be honest with you, we've been to church Tuesday night. We went to church Wednesday night. I'm kind of tired on Thursday. Oh, what kind of horrible Christian are you? How can you call yourself a Christian if you can't insp- you can't invest in people's lives? You, what the deal here is the fact that there are expectations, unrealistic, unbiblical expectations placed upon church members by the church, the local church. And I'm not saying it's the pastors or the elders that are putting those expectations there. It is the tradition. It is the tradition that is handed down. It's unspoken expectations that, for example, Stephanie and I did not go to church last week. We did not go to our weekend worship service. And it's no, it's not because I hate it. Or no, it's not because I hate the church. I, I actually love the ministry that I'm involved in because the ministry I'm involved in is much different than than what I'm talking about. It it is a part of a organized church that has many flaws, but I overlook those, but there are still some things even within our own church I do hate. But the reason why we missed this weekend, well, you know what? I don't even need to explain it. I don't even feel compelled to like I used to, but I used to feel complained to explain why I would miss a weekend worship service. But this weekend we did miss. We decided to miss. We missed on purpose. Um, I was still recovering from not feeling well. Matthew had had, uh, yes, I'm explaining. I know. Uh, but, uh, you know, he was not feeling well. He had had a fever and Stephanie wanted to get a jump on Christmas shopping. And you know what she did? She she says, why don't you guys sleep in and uh, I'll take the girls Christmas shopping. And you know what? They went Christmas shopping and, and Stephanie had the most wonderful time with my two do- with our two daughters. It was a girl's day out. It was the best time that those girls have had in a very long time. Stephanie was stress-free. She was having a great time. And if you ask me, that is very much a part of ministry and what she needs to be doing uh, as far as being a mother and an example to her children. And some people will tell you, how could you dare do that? I mean, isn't church more important? I mean, it, there's just something special about going to God's house, you know, and God's presence being there. And and what kind of example are you giving your, your children, Cliff and Stephanie? Because uh, now nobody from our church is, is saying this, and, and I don't suspect anybody from our church would. But there are, there are some people in our church who are not a part of our ministry and have you know, maybe looking from the outside, they would be thinking these things. And I've been a part of local churches where they would say these things, where they would say, what a horrible example you guys are setting as parents to to just, you know, in front of your kids, just say, hey, let's not go to church today. Let's go shopping. How careless. You know, there is nothing magical that says I have to go to church on Sunday morning between the hours of 11 and 1210. Or, yeah, 11 and 12 things. It's it's just not written in a book anywhere that I have to do that. Now, the Bible says, Don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another daily as you see the day approaching. And I believe that's Hebrews 12, 10 or 12, 1. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, 
And and then then Hebrews three twelve through fourteen I think says, "See to it, brothers, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end." the confidence that we have at first. You see, it says, but encourage one another daily and let's not forsake getting together. But it doesn't say, you must be at this church at this time, at this place. What it's talking about is the capital C church getting together. And yes, it's talking about the local people, a part of that gathering together. Those are important things. I believe in the local church. But sometimes the local church can get in the way of doing ministry. So anyway, with all that said, I, there have been a there have been a number of people who have been hurt by congregational churches and the organization. And I will tell you that I've been a part of many churches that I believe it would just literally take people uh, a radical revolution, a radical revival to just really change. And I've been in churches that have been what they would consider themselves to be experiencing major revival. And all that means is they're more passionate about doing the same things they've always done. Uh, they're just louder and more obnoxious about it. Uh, that That's what they call revival. And, uh, you know, there are just some churches I've been a part of that change is, is, is something that simply seems like it's impossible. You know, uh, I've, I've been a part of church splits. I, I resigned from a church that refused to give its permission to a ministry that would allow people to invite people to come into their homes on a weekly basis, be encouraged with food and fellowship, and spend some time in prayer with for one another, getting to know each other, and having some discussion about God's Word in a practical way. And in, in, in encouraging people to do that on a day-by-day basis, uh, at least once a week in somebody's home, you know, where you're a part of that, and you're encouraged to do that more than you would be encouraged to ever come to Sunday school on Sunday morning. In fact, we didn't, we di- with this, we didn't suggest that we would end Sunday school, but we would just suggest that we would say, it's okay, you could either come to Sunday school or you could, you could host these meetings in your home and invite people to come, and, and that would be fine too. But no, the, these churches said, no, no, we have a building here. We have these classrooms. You must bring them here. And I will tell you, I've heard churches, I've heard church board members say, and I'm using exact words here. This is this is not paraphrased. But if they don't come to church, how will we get them to pay their tithe here? Yes, they have said that. Many people have said that. Many people have talked about the fact that you know, we noticed that less and less people were coming to our church on Sunday morning. Sure, it's great that the, you have 210 people coming into people's homes on a weekly basis to have these small group Bible studies in each other's homes. That's wonderful. But our attendance has gone from 120 people a week down to 80 people a week. And, and our the tithing that's coming in is much less. You know, maybe we could, maybe we could give more emphasis on these small groups if we could find a way to make sure that they're paying their tithe and it's like oh my gosh you guys just aren't getting it you know so yeah the local church has been frustrating for me 
And that's why I feel like I am where I am today. It's it's seeing the people who have been burned by the local church. It's seeing the people who had a genuine heart for God, and and they, I've seen them. You go in blazing with passion to do whatever it is that God has laid them, laid on their heart, only to be shut down by the bureaucracy, only to be squashed and squelched because they have not had the proper channel of authority worked out, and they don't know how to pull the right strings in the right places and fill out the right forms to request a room and oh it it, it's so sad and in the in the churches that say you know you you can't get married here because you haven't done this and and it it, it's become a business where you know it's it's like well sure you can you can get married here but it's going to cost this much and and oh my goodness, what is this building for? What I mean, is 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 this a place of income now? Um, are we trying to earn money here? Um, just the unrealistic expectations, the 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 people who have been hurt by the church, and 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 when I say the local church, I'm talking not just about the leadership of the church. I'm talking about the members. Can I speak about that for just a second? Some of the meanest, most rude most nastiest people I've ever met in my life I have met by meeting them sitting next to them in a church pew or a church sanctuary. Some of the meanest, most rudest, nastiest people sit in church sanctuaries on Sunday mornings. And they do it religiously. They never miss. And they pay not only 10%, but they give on top. And and some of those people are genuine loving, caring individuals, but yet some of those people are the meanest, most nastiest, rudest people I've ever met in my life. Just, it's awful to hear some of the things that, that, that I've heard people say at church to, to, a, to young ladies that have come to our church uh, in the past, visiting, speaking to visitors about wearing blue jeans in church, you know, and, and, and the older, women would come and say, hey, you know, I, I would like to speak to you about the way you're dressed. And, you know, perhaps you're not a Christian. And so therefore you don't have as much self-dignity. And it's like, oh, did you just say that? Did I just hear that? And I'm like, oh, my God, no, you can't say that. That is not right. And and they would instruct them on how to have, be dressed more properly. And, and I'm like, no, I would see people, teenagers, uh, from high school who would come and visit our churches on the weekend and and be a part of the youth group events and they would be smoking outside and and we would have church members who would go out and say you know i i don't even know why you all come here you all seem so bent on going to hell you won't even give up the cigarettes blah blah and like did that who just said that? oh my gosh that person's a board member yes these are real true life experiences i've witnessed it time and time again and 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 some of these people are well-meaning and well-intentioned and they're 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 people that that inside they 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 really want what god wants but yet they they they're so caught up in the do's and the don'ts and the washing the outside of the cup and making sure that you're you look like us talk like us act like us and if you're different then there's something wrong we need to fix and no, it's not like that. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not our job. And 
Yeah, the church members of the local church. Very, 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 very difficult people to be with sometimes. And and at the same time, you know, I'm a very difficult person to be with sometimes as well. And so, uh, yeah, the local church, it, it's frustrating. And so that's why I'm reading this book. There are some people, I guess, from what I've heard from this book, that have completely given up on the local church altogether. And that's kind of scary and uncomfortable for me. And I, I don't know that I'd ever go that far. But but you know what? At this point, I am I'm I'm committed to reading this entire book and and the content in it and seeing seeing what God lays on my heart. And I plan to do exactly what the author said. And and I'm going to analyze it scripturally and and saying, hey, does this fit up to a biblical premise of what what the church is supposed to be? And you know and and what is the impact of of this change, if necessary, any changes that need to be made? What is the impact? For the kingdom of God, does it have the ability to make change, to save people's lives? I don't care what it means to the building, you know, sell the building. I don't care about the building. I, I don't care about the facility. And I, I want to see people's lives changed. And I want to see my own life change. I want the power to overcome sin again. I want I want the desire to get sin out of my life. I, I want the desire to, to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I want to quit focusing on all the do's and the don'ts, and I just want to start loving people, and and I want to I, I want to get rid of the expectations that other people have of me, and that's what I've been doing. I've been shedding those things, and and I feel closer to God than I ever have before. There are some of you out there that have never been a part of a local church. Many of you out there, um, I want to encourage you to to not go to church. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wow. Did I just say that? I want to encourage you to start praying and looking for other believers and and maybe find a group of people who belong to a local church but are more focused on life outside of the building. So, yes, I'm going to encourage you to find a church, a local church, and I'm going to encourage you not to go to their services, but look for churches that have a very strong emphasis and focus on on small groups and not small groups that meet at the building. I want you to look for church a church out there that that has an emphasis on small groups that are encouraged to to meet in each other's living rooms. And 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 find a church like that. Make sure that you know that it believes in the word of God and 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 that it is it is a, a biblically sound church and well, the th- problem is, as some of you are asking, well, Cliff, how do I know that? And the reason I know that you're asking that is because several of you who are listening to this have already asked me that. And perhaps after I'm done with this book, or perhaps even reading through this book, we're going to answer those questions. So uh, do stick in here. So this has been part two of why I hate the church. And uh, I want to let you know that through the recording of this uh, podcast series. I am still very much an active member in my local church. I am still very much involved in attending my weekly cell group, uh, and I still support uh, the ministry that I'm in and, and will continue to do so. I've recently been hurt by a member of our ministry, and I've been hurt by some recent changes that have taken place. Um, one of the things that our ministry has done has been to clarify goals and vision and 
and has began to has begun to start to work on principles and values. And so every decision that the leadership team would make um, would be based upon these principles and values that are clearly defined and written out. And what's amazing is that I just resigned from this leadership team. I was I was one fifth of the leadership team of this ministry, and I resigned so that I could uh, get a couple things out of my life that were standing in the way of doing some things that God was calling me to do. And, and podcasting is is definitely one of those things, and and uh, it's focusing more time on loving and caring for my family again was another of those things, and so. Um, anyway, I, I resigned from that position, but I was very much involved in the discussions of these, these values and, and, and one of the values is excellence. And, and I have some troubles and struggles now as I, I, as I think about this value excellence, but anyway, it's this idea that, you know, if we're going to do something, let's do it as best as it can be done. Let's not go halfway. And, uh, well, after I resigned a couple weeks afterwards, um, this was just a couple weeks ago, actually. I had gone up and asked an individual if I could, you know, have hold on to a copy of the uh, current week's sermon. I was going to uh, talk to my pastor and ask him if what he would think about me setting up uh, the opportunity or the the ability to podcast our sermons for our church. Uh, for our ministry, not not the entire church, but just our ministry specifically, we have our own uh, worship service, uh, our worship celebration that is that is a part of the ministry of of cell groups uh, in our in our local church. Anyway, this individual is a, is is a person that is on staff of our ministry, but but uh, he's he's not on the leadership team. And what happened was, is, is I said, hey, do you mind if I borrow this disc? And he says, sure, no problem. And then I said, you know, what I plan on doing is I want to talk to uh, our pastor and, and see about setting up a podcast for reality. And he's like, oh, no, no, not, that's a bad idea. Not, we're not ready. We're not quite there yet. And I'm like, what do you mean we're not quite there? Oh, well, are you saying, because I've been on discussions, this is this is a priority, that, you know, that they want to get out there and be able to have these sermons available available to people who weren't able to make it to the celebration services. And he goes, yeah, I know, but, but we're just not, we just don't have the time to focus on that, and we want to do it with excellence. And I'm like, okay, but what I'm telling you is that... Um, I am no longer bound by a lot of other things that I used to do that would keep me from being able to do something like this. And, and I'm pretty familiar with how to podcast. And, and I, I'm not looking to go home and, and just start this thing. But I'm, I'm willing to, you know, talk with the leadership team and explain to them, you know, that I'm willing to do this and, and show them how it's done, answer any questions. And, <clears throat> and kind of you you know use their guiding direction on maybe to set this up so that it can get done. I know it's a priority for them. And he says, "Well, it's just a lower priority and excellence is our goal." And you know, I realize that you have the ability to do this and and we just and we just don't have the finances to do this. 
And I'm like, well, that's fine. It's not an issue whatsoever as far as the finances are concerned because I want to pay for this myself. I will pay for 100% of the bandwidth cost out of my own pocket. I, I this is just something I really want to do. No, we prefer not to do this. Um, it you don't understand because we want to keep we want to maintain control and consistency uh, because you know we have this theme of excellence now and and we want to make sure that that you know this is definitely going to be done in a way that is consistent with the theme of our site. Uh, which is nowhere near even being started. Uh, it, it got started a long time ago, but it, it's non-existent. The website probably won't be existent for quite some time. But anyway, we want it to be, he says, we want it to be consistent with the theme of our website. We want it hosted here. And uh, it's, it, it's, and I said, but, but this, you're, you're saying this is a priority, but it's a low priority. And I said, I realize it's a low priority for the people who already have so many other priorities. But this could become a priority for me, and I could do this, and it would be one of my higher priorities because it's something I'm passionate about, something that I seem to be gifted in, and and I think that I could do it with pretty much excellence, with guidance and approval of and and the the guidelines and boundaries given by the leadership team. And you're telling me you think I shouldn't even approach them? Not right now. And do you know what I said to this individual? I said to this individual, I want to tell you something right now. You have just hurt and offended me more than any other person has ever hurt or offended me. Now, this was a month and a half ago that this uh, this occurred. And this is the first time I've ever talked to anybody about it except for my wife. And, and I had shared that I had struggled with somebody uh, recently. But I, but I don't believe in gossiping. And so I told this individual, I said, I want you to know you have personally offended me because what I feel like you are saying is that you are telling me that you do not believe that I can do this with excellence. And not only that, but it's not even that I want to go out and do it on my own. I've already explained in detail that that I'm willing to submit to the leadership team and their guidance and direction. And and I know that they have a lot of things on their plate. And so, you know, a, a five minute, 10 minutes of their time once every couple of weeks when I actually spend an hour with them about once a week anyway, <laughs> um, you're telling me that, that you think it's just not a good idea that I would even consider talking to them about this. And he says, no, no. And I said, well, that, that that's pretty offensive to me because, you know, I, I, I consider myself to understand a little bit about podcasting. Now, this individual knows the fact that I, I am a self-produced podcaster of my own podcast network and has listened to a couple of my podcasts. So it, I found it very insulting. I found myself very much angry with him for for suggesting that I not even take the CD at home at that point of the sermon. And and I pretty much just told him, I said, listen, you, you've offended me. And I never even got a single apology. I, I never got, you know, I'm sorry. I, I didn't think about, you know, if it might come across that way. He said, I'm sorry that you are misunderstanding what I'm saying because that's not what I'm saying. I did not say that you couldn't do it with excellence. What I am saying, and see, that's the problem with the darn church. I have a problem with people who always are afraid to say I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I've offended you. I've, I've said things. I put my foot in my mouth and, and, and I know I can see that I've hurt you. What is wrong with the, what's, what's up with the inability to say, Cliff, 
wow, I didn't even realize that what I said just now could have actually been taken that way. You know what? You're right, and I'm sorry. That's not what I meant. You know, I tell you what, why don't you talk to to our pastor and 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 share with him and, and see what he has to say because you know what it, it's really up to them anyway it oh and and here's the thing i'm pretty thick skinned okay i am very thick skinned and i can handle this situation but just imagine that i'm a i'm a new believer and i have been given a gift or or a talent that that can be used for God's glory and I sit there and say hey I really feel God leading me to do this and I just want to talk to our pastor or our lead team about doing it and 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 I understand that they could possibly say no they can say hey let's let's table it for a later time but to be told that by by somebody else that's not even on the decision making team that to be told well I'm sorry you probably shouldn't even go and talk to them because we believe in excellence and and we don't we want to make sure that we maintain control and and that it's uniform with our vision and God I mean where do I apply where do I st- you know what department do I go to you know do do I have to go to the downtown uh department you know is there a different is there a different uh office or administrative building that I need to go to so I can at least apply for serving God in this place Oh, do you see how the angry I can get at the church? I am frustrated with the fact that people get in the way. And this isn't just, this is just one situation. And it's one that I'm particularly passionate about. But this is happening day after day after day. And, and, and it's, and it's, and I will tell you, I can, I can share this with you because I have been that person. I have been that person. The person I'm talking about right now, I've been in his shoes. I have done what he has done to me to countless numbers of other people. I have done it myself. I am guilty as charged. I am guilty of doing the same thing. I am guilty of being a mean, nasty church person. I am guilty of being a judgmental Christian. I am guilty of being a merciless Christian. I am guilty of being the guy who tells you that if you would only do things more like me and become more like what I believe, and if you would just kind of do things that don't irritate me as much, perhaps maybe I would like you more, and God might like you more, and your life might be better. I've been that Christian, and I'm sick of it, and that's why I don't want to be that Christian. And I'm, I'm even, I'm even aware of the fact that that most Christians struggle with this. And, and and we go around touting, touting the name Christian, and that's why I'm ready to shed it. Yes, I'm ready to shed it. And and so, do you understand where I'm coming from now? Why I've titled this series, Why I Hate the Church. I love I love my fellow believers in Christ. I, I hate some of the things that they do and they say, but I love them. I love them unconditionally. This person who has offended me, I love them enough to tell them to their face that you have just offended me. I was upset and still am upset that they didn't apologize. And you want to know something? I told them that there that day. I'm upset that you won't even apologize for offending me. And, and that you... It, I, so, I, it, it, oh, anyway. So, I'm going to take a listener call. 
Um, Brad from Alaska has been a longtime listener of the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. Started listening through our Lost Podcast, and and uh, I'm going to pause this while I plug in my my cables here so that we can hear Brad's phone call. Okay, um, I know that you're supposed to be hearing a voicemail right now, and I just uh, was queuing it up and realized that it's not Alaska Brad. Uh, Brad does listen to this podcast as well, but this is actually a message from Travis Deem uh, from California. So, Travis, go ahead. Hi, Cliff. This is Travis in Red Bluff, California. Just got done listening to uh, episode one of Why I Hate the Church, and... Uh, I think I understand what you're facing and where you're coming from. And it reminds me of what C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, a book I know that you've read, that uh, when he talked about how the term Christian has become kind of a meaningless word, and I sense that that's sort of part of your, your anguish over this thing, and, and I agree, it, and he used, of course, the term gentleman. It used to be that gentleman was... Uh, someone who had a coat of arms, and some land. And then it turned into, well, it's really the act of being a gentleman, the decency. And so the term gentleman simply became a term you use when you personally like someone. It became essentially meaningless. It could mean anything to almost anybody. I fear that the terms church and Christian have gone through that same metamorphosis to where you can say, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and those things mean virtually nothing. I think you and I know what it means to be a Christian, or at least as best as we can understand it, but because Christianity, so to speak, is so different in so many places, and churches are so different, to say one or the other means nothing, nothing that you can count on. My definition might be different from yours, might be different from someone else's. So I, uh, I sympathize, and I commit to going through this book with you and sharing this experience, and who knows what we'll discover when we do it. I could have written this in. I really felt like I wanted to say it to you. So God bless, Cliff. I'm with you. And, um, you know, hopefully this is profitable to us and, and whoever else joins along. God bless. Bye-bye. Travis, thank you so much. And, and I'm so glad that you did choose to call in rather than write in. Um, one of the things as a podcaster that, that I just don't enjoy doing very much is reading an email um, in, into a podcast microphone. Uh, and the reason for that is because, you know, they're, they're, the way you said what you said is, is so much different than what, how I probably would have read it off of a page. And so uh, I'm going to encourage people not to email me regarding this, this uh, podcast series. And instead, I'm going to encourage you to call our listener line if you have comments uh, at area code 859-795-1959. That's area code 859-795-1959. Now, Travis, you're absolutely right. That, that is one of the reasons why I want to get rid of, I want to shed myself from the term Christian. But it's not only because the word Christian has lost its meaning, but the which is very much a, a part of it because I, I think even today, I think like 80% or some, some kind of, maybe the statistics will be in this book. I'm sure they will be, but just it's, I, from what I understand, from what I've heard that a very high percentage of people still consider themselves to be Christian. 
And, and sometimes what that means for some people is it means that I go to church. And uh, that's not necessarily what I mean when I say I'm a Christian. Um, and, and I don't think that going to church makes you a Christian. Uh, some people say they are a Christian because they believe that God exists and that Jesus was God's son and that he died on a cross for the sins of all people and, and that, you know, they, they believe all those things. And because of that, they, they think that they're a Christian. And I don't even think that that's really biblical. Uh, for instance, I know that Satan believes every single one of those things. And Satan, I would not consider to be a Christian. And so, so the, the term Christian, like you said, Travis, seems to be quite meaningless. And the term church, the reason why I hate the, the word church, the lowercase c church, is because the church has become tainted by this outpouring of, of immature, spiritual immaturity. People, I, I would say, if, if anything, the, spirit, the churches that I've been a part of, 99% of the people that attend them are still craving the spiritual milk of of Christianity and they have refused to go on to the solid food of Christianity and and get beyond the tra- tradition and get beyond of the doing things that that everybody else has done. Now I love Father Roderick and and I have a lot of um I have a lot of uh respect and reverence for the Catholic Church. Uh but Father Roderick's uh peculiar bunch episodes uh, from time to time, will spend a whole lot of time, and several days even, going over whether or not they should bring back the Trinitine uh, liturgy, liturgy, and how you know perhaps it was more reverent, and and not that Father Roderick says that, but some of the listeners have 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 said that, and 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 Father Roderick spends a lot of time explaining why the Catholic Church does certain things, and and I think Father Roderick is probably the most wonderful. Pe- priest on the face of this earth and if i was catholic i would want father roderick to be my priest or my pastor there's no question in my mind but but the the fact is is that so many people get caught up on whether or not we sit and kneel whether or not we say a certain prayer in latin or in english or in dutch or in german uh they've lost touch with what we're supposed to be concerning ourselves with and that's the lady that lives next door that, that has been a widow for the last eight months, and we we know that she's there. We see the light go on in the evening and go off in the evening, but we've never seen anybody come in or out of that house, uh, and, and what, yet we have never taken the time to go and knock on the door and invite them over to dinner at our house or to go over and spend time to talk with them. You know, there there are so many other things that God really wants us to do, you know, and if you have to, if you have not kicked your cigarette habit and you need to smoke a cigarette before you go over and do it, by all means, smoke your cigarette. I, I pray that you would be able to get rid of any addictions that are in your life that could cause your death uh, earlier than necessary. But by all means, if, if you're still struggling, that doesn't mean that you can't be a Christian. It doesn't mean that you can't go over and do God's will. By all means, go and visit the, the, the widow lady across the road and, 
and, and offer to play a game of backgammon or parcheesi or whatever it is old ladies do. I don't know. I mean, it, I can tell you that when I've gone and visited the, the widows that live in our neighborhoods and used to live next to me, she just wants to talk. She just she desires nothing more to, than somebody to just to talk to. Uh, and, and bring your kids along because they like to talk to kids. They like to see kids and, and it brings life to their life. And, and if you have to skip a Sunday evening church service because your life is too busy, by all means, skip that church service and go spend the evening with that widow or the person you know that's dying of cancer in the hospital. Oh, people, don't let the church get in the way of ministry. Don't let the, the church get in the way of your your relationship with Christ. That's where I'm coming from. And uh, we're just over an hour now. So uh, I'm going to close this out with an, uh, with another word of prayer. Father, thank you for this evening. I thank you for my wife who has allowed me to stay after here at work and uh, to, to read the preface of this book and to record my thoughts. Uh, she believes in this podcasting as a ministry uh, just as much as I do. And I thank you for laying this on our hearts. Thank you for the emails that I get from from the individuals who write and talk about how this is a blessing to them and how it's encouraging them to think about Christ, to, how to think about you in a much different way and, and, and that they've never really, it's the things that they've always thought that Christians should be like, but, but have never seen any like it. And I hope and pray, God, that you would bring some of these these real followers of your yours uh people that that will come out of the woodwork and start loving them and and loving them where they are outside of the church buildings uh loving them in the workplace will they start i pray that you will surround each listener that listens to this podcast i pray that within the next within the next 24 to 48 hours that they will be confronted by somebody who has a genuine relationship with you who will love them unconditionally who will love them and invest in their life even if they're gay uh, homosexual whether they're drug addicted to drugs or alcohol whether they smoke cigarettes and smell like tobacco products and whether that or not they um you know struggle with pornography whether or not they whatever it is that's going on i pray that they will meet a a person that has a relationship with you that is willing to invest in their lives even if they don't accept an invitation to a church service even if they don't accept an invitation to a bible study in their living room i pray that we they would meet somebody who would still be willing to have conversations with them without trying to push bible verses down their throats or trying to teach them how to change their lives just people who would just be Christian, to be Christ-like, and to be in their lives, and just be with them, and accept them for who they are. Lord, I pray this for all of them, and I pray for me to be one of those individuals who will go and, 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 and be that person uh, to some of those people myself. I thank you for the opportunity of this podcasting, and, and, and the, the reach. The, it, Lord, I'm, I'm humiliated and humbled by the fact that that this podcast reaches uh, more people over will meet reach more people over the next uh, seventy two hours than than a majority of pastors in this in the United States will will reach with their sermon on Sunday morning. That that's hum that's humbling to me, and and Lord, I pray that it would that I would be uh i pray that if pride were to settle in and pride has settled in over the last year of my podcasting i will confess that to you i pray that if pride were to sneak in 
during this series or during any future podcasting episodes, Lord God, I pray that you would expose it and that you would wipe it away and, and that, that the accountability that I have set in place, that those people will hold me accountable to, to what it is that you are truly and honestly calling me to do. Lord, I thank you for those people who are listening out there who have agreed to follow through this journey with me, who are going out and ordering this book or have already got the book or who are thinking about getting this book. I thank you for those who have decided to partner with me in prayer and pray for my own humility and pray for my own um, uh, wisdom and discernment and guidance from you. And and they have prayed for my protection and my health and that of my family as well. May God bless them all. May you bless them all, Lord. May may you keep me humble, and may you help me love the true church with a capital C. May you help me to always despise the injustice created by anything that disguises itself as your church and is not fully what it is that you've called it to be. Lord God, I love you and I give you praise. It's in your name I pray. Amen.